0: that night
1: at school. <laughs>
0: all right, now I know what you're talking about. I was wondering where the hell you were going. Like, all right, I'll go for the ride. We'll see where we end up. You know, no <laughs> big deal. Watch out! Uh, uh, an ambitious undertaking of possibly uh, splitting this episode treat those 40 or so faithful that download our show weekly to a a classic two-parter. Short pause. Hold your breath for the dynamic duo. This is a test for the next 60 seconds. The station will
1: conduct the test of the emergency broadcast system.
0: So I would bring her places under the delusion that maybe, you know, someday, you know, uh, we would fall into some type of uh, accidental coitus.
1: But at the very least, she'll get drunk and slip up. This is a test of the emergency broadcast system.
0: Baby carrots and walnuts, man. <laughs> Baby carrots and walnuts.
1: I remember I remember after that that night, you know, because I worked that night. He was he's like big guy, tiny little pee in with the system...
0: That's, Eesh. you know, that's not amusing banter. If this had been an actual emergency, you would have been instructed where to tune in your area for news and
1: official information. This concludes this the emergency broadcast system.
0: Syracuse. I'm Sanders. And he's Liv. And we are two sorry excuses.
1: Livaroo! What's up, Sam man? All right, Liv, we're back.
0: S- seems like we were just here.
1: Yeah. Seconds ago. Yeah, what, what were you doing, man, on your break? <laughs> mm-hmm. Would you go down and make a sandwich real quick? Yeah, real quick, real quick. Yeah. Uh, but we're back for uh,
0: episode six Two Sorry Excuses. Part two of our bowl recap special. Maui Invitational Summary and yep. Mark Selden Extravaganza.
1: Yes, not to mention the the sad stripping Indiana fangirl.
0: <laughs> Alright, we got a ton. I don't even I almost don't know where to start with this. Let's let, let's go chronologically. Let's talk a little bit about the, the Maui Invitational. Yes,
1: since I barely even remember that now. It, it seems so long ago, but w- what a... What it a, was over a week ago
0: now. Uh, just a dominating effort, not only by the team uh, as a whole, but, but C.J. Fair in particular.
1: Yeah. <laughs> C.J. Fair, Jeremy Grant, he scored 19 point. He, he matched his career high than, from the night before 19 points against Baylor. Uh, Tyler Ennis, I think, you know, he grew a huge pair of testicles in Hawaii. <laughs> <laughs> that guy became a man last week. Yeah, that
0: happened to me when I went to Hawaii, but it was, um, it was a spider bite. Uh hey. we, cured, we just, we cured it up with antibiotics. It really didn't happen to be that big of a deal, but, yeah. um...
1: Didn't give you any more courage or guile.
0: No, I couldn't hit a three-pointer or drive yeah. the lane, but my testicles were huge.
1: What I did like about that game was, you know, because one thing that Jim Bayhives was doing his whole career, which bothers the hell out of me, is when he starts taking the air out of the ball around four minutes in the game, you know, when yeah. he's got a lead. Yeah. And then what what I hate about it is we slow down, we quit doing what we're doing, and then we never get good shots off, you know? Yep. And we end up making games closer than they should be. Well, <clears throat> he consciously didn't do that against Baylor because, I mean, you saw how Baylor played. They could, they're the type of team, if you need to score points quick, they can do it. Right. You know, and he, he was like, he knew the only way that we were going to be able to beat them, we weren't going to be able to do FBS BS because they can score pretty quick. Uh, so he's like, kept running the offense because he knew we were going to have to outscore them. You know, and thank God for that, because I, I can't stand that slowdown stuff, and I don't understand why they do it as often as they do it, you know?
0: It, it's just got to be something ingrained in coaches in terms of wanting to protect, you know, a lead, protect the basketball. It's, you know, it's akin to the prevent defense.
1: Yeah, which only prevents you from winning, right?
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, but C.J. Fair had a monster tournament, Um yeah, he was the MVP. The, the Baylor game was indicative of, of you know his effort out there. Um, you know the announcers, uh, both in the Baylor game and uh, in the Indiana game, um, made note of of the you know of the soft rims. Um, yeah, and you know warn fans not to uh, you know not to to draw too many. Um, Conclusions in terms of of you know ability and and um, an aptitude, but C.J. Fair was he was on fire out there.
1: Yeah, I think he had twenty four points in the in the final.
0: Yeah, he was ten for seventeen from the field. Um, you know, I think he played forty minutes against. Um, uh, against Minnesota, he had 38 minutes against Baylor. Yeah. Um, you know, he's just a workhorse. And,
1: and, and he looked badass doing it with that, uh, <laughs> with gouge. that scar on his face. That's unbelievable. And, and
0: you know, we talked about it last time. He just, you know, he literally turned cheek and walked down the court. And, you know, yeah. But for a band aid, and, and later on in the game, uh, he ended up opening it up a little bit. You would have never known. Um, you know that he had a you know eight to whatever eight to twelve stitches depending on the on the
1: source. On who you read, yeah. But um, no, but know, he's the man. You know, he just when we need a shot, just give the ball to CJ. You know, like and when the offense is dragging down, we haven't had a bucket in a few few possessions. Give it the give it to CJ. He'll get us off the schneid. You know,
0: he's just he's dependable. You know, he's clutch. Yeah. And, and he's he's the leader of that team and, he, and he's not an outspoken guy his personality is not um you know in line with some of uh, of syracuse stars of past but um you know he gets the job done and he's 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 quality
1: yeah i mean it is crazy because i don't mean, he was a decent <laughs> player when we got him but the idea that like in, since he's come here he's turned into like well, now he's preseason ACC Player of the Year. You know, crazy, right? Yeah, like I mean, no one. I mean, he was a good, solid recruit, but he was nobody's idea of like, oh, this guy's going to turn your head left and right. I think the most exciting thing about him was that he that he throws down really cool dunks, but he doesn't even get to do that too often. in The games he's turned into just a guy that knows how to score. You know, he knows how to he he knows how to work work in the lane. You know, and get those. You knows little awkward shots, and now he can even pop out and hit him from three when you need him. You know, yeah. Like the guy just, the guy just knows his way around the court.
0: Um, who did the game last night? Torrico
1: when- and Dan Daykic. Oh yeah, yeah. I'm getting sick of Torrico. I'm sorry. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I, I don't mind Torrico. I have a soft spot for Torrico. Obviously, he does. Um, he does the majority of Syracuse games, and I would have run into him quite often um, at games at, at Madison Square Garden yeah. uh, where he wasn't working the game. He was just in attendance well, and um, always a pleasant guy, always, Do you not recall you
1: know, him being him. I mean, because I got a photo with him that yeah, night we won the Final Four. He, he
0: was down the Final Four. I remember that. Yeah,
1: he was, he was in an <laughs> orange shirt with a Syracuse baseball cap on. Yeah, yeah. And, like, you... I told him, I was like, oh, yeah, I worked at Fagan's. I was like, yeah, I heard you. Because he probably hears all the time, he's like, yeah, 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 I always go to Fagan's when I'm there. <laughs>
0: uh, he ended up in the, in the bar the other night, um, talked to Guy, um, and he, you loves know, Fagans. he was in attendance and you know needed yeah. to, to have a couple pops after the game at his alma mater. You know, why not? Um, but they were um, they were saying how uh, Fair really reminded um, them of Calvert-Cheney.
1: Yes, that Dockage guy who used to be who played at Indiana was a it was Knight's top assistant. Kept referring to him as Calbert Cheney every time he made a shot.
0: So after the second or third time, it became a little trite in terms yes. of uh, the comparison. Um, but you know, I can see it, and I, and I certainly, I certainly value the sentiment on its base level. Um, but I also liken him to to a um, uh, slightly more athletic Lawrence Moten. Yeah. In the sense that... you don't that. You don't know how he gets from one point to the
1: other. Yeah.
0: But he's there. He's silky yeah, smooth.
1: Yeah, that's that's what I'm saying. Like, he knows how to move around the court. Like, he doesn't... <laughs> he's not flashing past anybody. He just, like... You're know, like, guy in front of him, he'll just kind of go under him and throw it up or something. You know, like, he just... He you know some guys just have it, like like Lawrence Moon had, like he looked like he was moving in slow motion, but he got open.
0: I thought um, we were going to get a little something out of uh out of your boy Raheem Christmas. He had uh you know a few moments where you know he flashed and it looked like he was going to put together a few a few trips yeah. um, you know where he, he was able to do it on both ends. What was that? Go ahead.
1: He did have three blocks. That was his high point of that game. And you know, he blocked three shots. Uh, uh, I'm looking I, at his line right now, he was one of, he had three points, one of two from the from the free throw line, one of two from the from the field. You know, and, and only four rebounds.
0: I think he also might have had a goaltender two in there and, and you know, while they weren't the Jeremy yeah. Grant send a message type of goaltends, they were you know, he was around the basket. You know, he's making his presence felt, and yeah. I, think, I think that's all you can hope for. You know, like we've been talking about all season, he's, he's a body.
1: Yeah, and Docich, um, I just want to add this little note. Yeah, go ahead. That guy was bothering the hell out of me, especially and he's like, I never even knew Syracuse was a private school.
0: Did <laughs> he did. He made a fool out of himself. <laughs>
1: It's like this guy's a big goofball. how do he make it in this world?
0: It it's <laughs> it's totally one thing to be a goober, uh yeah. you know, and you know, and a Midwest Homer. Yes. But you're gonna do a, a, a game of national prominence for one of the top five teams in the country. That's yeah. you know, that's not amusing banter.
1: Yeah, he's like, I never knew it was a private school until today when I was walking around the campus or something.
0: You know, oh, I've never had a slice of pizza better than Varsity Pizza. You know, yeah. if you're going to throw out a non sequitur, you know, don't make yourself look like an idiot. And, and believe me, speaking of uh, speaking as a person who is who has, you know, spent 20 years throwing out nonsensical comments that make him look like an idiot. Yeah, I, I can certainly appreciate that. But, you know, come on, man.
1: Yeah. And then he started talking about how much of a cool guy he thought Jim Behan. was because
0: <laughs> he interviewed him.
1: He's like, he's a really cool guy. It's
0: <laughs> it's funny, I, I tuned into the game just at that point, um, you know, before going back and, and re watching um, you know, the replay, and, yeah. and I couldn't understand what he was talking about. It it didn't make any sense. I'm like, who is he talking about? Who who's that cool? And he just went on and on and he's on. He's such a lunkhead, that guy, man. Unbelievable.
1: Yeah. Is um, he usually teamed with Tariqo? Because I think I've heard I've other gone, games. And he's only been on ESPN. I think this might be a second year or something. So I guess that's going to... And ESPN, I think, has him primed as one of their top reporters, or top commentators now. So I guess he will be with Tirico. Uh That's going to be a long time. I mean, stuff had to shuffle because... Um, you know, because Bill Raftery left, so I'm sure they had, they had to do something of that Jay Billis team. I don't know if they added a third man to them or not. But um, yeah, what they seem to now be doing, they're taking these writers like Andy Katz and putting them at the games now, too.
0: <laughs> you know what's funny is I got a beef with Andy
1: Katz. You have a beef with Andy Katz? I have a
0: huge beef with Andy Katz. Back in my, um, back in my Northeast Conference uh, Director of Marketing days, um, Wagner College is one of the NIT five. The Seahawks, right? Exactly. They are one of the founding members, and they're on the board of directors of the preseason NIT. Yeah. So um, we we had access to unbelievable tickets uh, for the NIT. Should we, you know, should we call in a favor and ask, you know, Athletic Director Walt Hamline uh, for a couple extra comps, and. At the time, I was living in Brooklyn, so getting into the city was particularly easy. Uh, The rest of the Northeast Conference staff lived in uh, New Jersey, Central Jersey, and they had no interest in in trekking into the city for a basketball game. But I was living in Brooklyn in a a fourth-floor walk-up railroad apartment um, that Guy and I, Guy Vincent and I, shared, and he referred
1: place you were. I think you were living at a place when I went up there. It was in Park Slope. Right? Yeah, it was in Park Slope, exactly. Yeah, um, I remember when I went there for the snowball. I think when I first moved to Boston. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Same place, man. Yeah. Um,
0: yeah it was kind of a dump, and yeah. you know, but it wasn't in a horrible area, and it was walking distance to the subway, and you were in you know Lower Manhattan in a half an hour, so it was pretty good for the rent we paid. Yeah. Um, Guy and I shared it he went back to Syracuse and i was left with an open room so i ended up rooming with sophia the south african who yeah, um,
1: south african. who
0: i had met in my travels somewhere along the line maybe down in dc um she was a nanny of of one of Laughlin's coworkers, and you know we ended up kind of being friendly, and and you know just she didn't have any other friends in the, in America. She was just in the states for a short amount of time, so we become you know became kind of friendly and palled around for a little while. Um, we lost touch. I didn't know what happened to her. I moved to New York. You know, graduated law school, got a job in in the city, um, lived in the city, um, and ended up just. Running into her again, long story even longer, she needed a place to live. I had an extra room. She took guy's room um so you know we would do stuff together. we'd hang out, and do roomy stuff, but like she was a dreamy, dreamy chick. She was like a model. um yeah. she was from South Africa, but she was Portuguese, and she was very exotic, and she spoke with a you know a south african British you know accent and so she was like Patsy
1: Kensit and Lethal Weapon too. Exactly, exactly.
0: <laughs> so I would bring her places under the delusion that maybe you know someday, you know, uh, we would fall into some type of uh, accidental coitus, but at the very least, she'll get drunk and slip up. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, but she was fun. She was a cool girl. So I brought her to uh, preseason nit when Matt Dougherty was uh, first-year coach at UNC.
1: Yep, okay. Uh,
0: and I believe they played Florida uh, the year Florida made, the, I think maybe it was the year after Florida made a Final Four run, or this was the preseason to to one of their Final Four runs. So it was an unbelievable game. We ended up, because I got my tickets from Wagner, who had an allotment of tickets but didn't use them, we ended up sitting second row behind the UNC bench. Oh, nice! Literally right behind um, Darty's wife, you know, coaches' wives, etc. They couldn't have been better seats. Um, but as we're walking down the aisle, uh, Andy Katz locks his his gaze on her from about 20 rows up in Madison square garden <laughs> stops what he's doing and stares her down the aisle into her seat
1: Jeez.
0: and then proceeds to give me the stink eye as if I have no business being with a girl that hot and Andy Katz does <laughs> exactly. And <laughs> he literally stood under the basket in between his standups ups and didn't watch the game. He watched her the entire first half. Jeez. And we ended up leaving. It was kind of a blowout. and you know yeah. We ended up going out for drinks or, or whatever. But I always vowed, if I ever ran into Andy Katz, I'd make him remember me.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: so take that you not
1: know, Andy Katz, I'm not guy it was with that girl that I wasn't sleeping with that you were gazing at the whole time. Don't run into me again, Andy Katz. Yeah,
0: that'll be your nightmare,
1: <laughs> Andy Cats. <Katz. laughs> uh, well, you could so, have saw him the other night if you're at the Syracuse game because I think he was on the side. He was at the side court, court side the other night, wasn't
0: he? He, he certainly was. He did a little stand up about um, how this game um, of the ACC Big Ten Challenge was. Is that what they call it? Yeah. ACC Big Ten Challenge. Um, was Syracuse's first official act, so to speak, as an um, ACC member. As an ACC member, yeah. um, and he was doing his his little bit, you know, in the key, and he was pointing out the, you know, the ACC moniker, um, and I don't know, droling on about something that lends, you know. No added value to a basketball broadcast. Locking his gaze in on some South African
1: <laughs> co ed from across the <laughs> across the arena.
0: My blood uh, still my blood still boils, Liv.
1: <laughs> um Alright, well one thing the other night in that game. We get that 20-point lead, and then the referees decide to start calling every time we breathed on a guy for Indiana in the last 10 minutes of the game.
0: Yeah, you know, I think I they did not let it end. At some point, uh, they felt like they let the game get away. Uh, there were a couple of flagrants in that game, right? There was yeah, a- but
1: what killed me was both flagrants were in Indiana, and then they start calling it like hard on us. Right. That right. made no sense to me.
0: And I think that's just a situation where, um, you know, they realize they've let the game get out of hand. They realize that, yeah. you know, they they didn't do their job in, in keeping control of, of, you know, the action in the paint. And they're, you know, they're not they're not they're not blowing whistles for makeup calls, but you know, they're trying to reestablish some, you know, uh, some order yeah. purely for their grade because you know those um, you know the 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 referees on those level on that level um, have allegiance to a variety of coordinators so the big yeah. you know the ACC coordinators got his group of guys the big ten coordinators got his group of guys sometimes they will um, you know they'll cross over and and you you know you will see them work you know the big tournaments or you know well big festivals and and um, You know, things of this nature, but for the most part, you know, they're working to keep their spot in the upper echelon and, you know, in the major power conferences. So much like an NFL referee who gets graded out after, you know, every Sunday um, and will get penalized and will get put on the bench, um, you know, the same thing is going on with these guys. And, you know, I've met a number of um, basketball uh, uh, court officiating coordinators um, you know, especially my time with the NEC and yeah. they take their job really seriously in terms of, you know, not only, um, not only grading performances of their crews, you know, ensuring that they're top notch, but also recruiting and replacing guys who, who don't fit the bill. And, you know, you don't want to be on the outside looking in when, you know, you're in the rotation, uh. You know, for a major conference, and you're getting you know 20 to 25 games a year. Um,
1: I understand that, but my problem is, you know, we're why we're up 20 points, you know, and they're calling ticky tack fouls when it's like, come on, man, just let the game flow, you know.
0: Uh, listen, I don't, I certainly don't blame you for for you know for seeing it that way, and I, I I don't disagree, but I think that's just kind of the reality. You get into one of those games and. Now there's nothing else to look for yeah. except what's the performance of, you know, of the referees. And, you know, uh, I think that's just what you're going to get at that, yeah. you know, at that time point, at that time period.
1: But um, I did find that funny. It seemed like once they called that second flagrant foul on that kid, what was in Cunningham or whatever it was.
0: Yeah, he just checked into the game.
1: Yeah, and he just checked in, you know, um, you know. Fundamental white boy on white boy crime. I think. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but I'll tell you what, man. Um, I thought Cooney uh, was going to be decapitated. Yeah. The 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 force at which he hit the stanchion. Oh
1: I, yeah, I know. He went down pretty hard. Like. That guy got the ball, and Doc was like, oh, he got the ball. It's like, yes, he got the ball, but he also pushed him with the other hand. Right. Yeah.
0: You know? Right. It was almost like he grabbed his ankles and pushed behind his head. Yeah. You know, and upended He got him. the
1: ball, and he gave a nice push with the other into his back, on the other side sending him tumbling into the, into the post, you know? The only thing that
0: was missing was that uh, if – Cooney, while he was taking his free throws, he had somebody duck behind him and he pushed him backwards, you know, over yeah. a kneeling, you know, a kneeling player. Yep,
1: yep. So it was but, pretty
0: nasty, and he deserved, you know, he deserved to be ejected. But it
1: seemed it did seem like they started calling harder on us after that. You know, I don't know if it was like, all right, all right, we've taken care of these guys. Let's uh, let's start uh, even it out. I know you say you don't think they're doing makeups, but uh, I don't know, just. You know, there was some legitimate stuff, but then there were some chippy calls that they were calling, and it was like, and it's probably more like you're saying, those guys are just trying to get their ledger in order for their uh, reviews, you know, for the grading and whatever.
0: A uh, couple things to take away from that game. Um, one was, it was nice to see us filling the gaps um, while Fair was on the bench. Yeah. Because I didn't know how we were going
1: to foul trouble.
0: Yeah. Before this game, I wasn't sure how we were going to deal with that. You know, besides the fact that, you know, pray he doesn't get in foul trouble.
1: In fact, um, let me just throw this a little side in and finish on the griping about refereeing. We had five players who had four fouls and one who had three fouls. That's six out of the eight man rotation that were in foul trouble,
0: <laughs> yeah, and that's certainly not our style of play, you know it doesn't lend to you know numerous guys getting into foul trouble. um you know the officiating was not was not good, yeah, um, but it was nice to see us
1: respond, and yeah I was, we when we took fair out of the game, it was like, well, how are you gonna do now? You know he's the one who he stirs the drink, you know. And they did. They did respond well with him on the bench. Um, you know who
0: is going to be a valuable contributor every every game, regardless of whether or not it shows up in the box score. It is going to be Jay. Um, Yeah. because he's going to give you fifteen to twenty minutes, and he's going to be able to spell uh, Ennis. He's going to be able to to play at the top of the key. Um, You know, when we need a defensive matchup or a defensive substitution. And, you know, we showed that he's versatile enough that, you know, he's going to be able to to pick up some slack uh, if Fair or Grant get themselves in foul trouble. And all of those things happened in this game. Yeah. But, you know, he still only, you know, logged, you know, two points and, you know, a couple rebounds and... You know it was one for two from the field and you know didn't do anything spectacular and if you just rely on the box score you you might think of him as a as a non factor as a non contributor yeah. but I tell you what man he is almost as valuable off the bench you know as uh, as grant is in the sense that we're only going eight deep in the rotation yeah and and Kata is the eighth man
1: yeah and Kata... Cain has got the hands of stone.
0: So you're going to get some offensive explosion out of Grant, but you need some versatility out of out Well, you of know what I else. thought was
1: good about Benajay? like in that last in the last final stretch of that game when Indiana was giving up uh well when they knew they were desperate and they started like pressing every time. You know? Yeah. Benajay was good to be in there for Ennis to actually have somebody to pass the ball to that could handle it a little bit, too, you know?
0: What? You know anything about his story? I know he came from Duke, and I know he redshirted.
1: I mean, all I know about him is he's from Virginia, I believe. I don't know much more about him other than that. Yeah, he
0: had, um, you know, I think I mean, he, averaged, he averaged a few minutes um, a game his freshman year, but, did, you know, didn't do anything spectacular. I didn't you know i didn't hear anything in terms of you know issues or problems and he seems to be you know a stand up guy in, in in what you don't hear about you know yeah. you don't you don't he, he doesn't come with with much baggage
1: no um, i mean i was a little leery of that cuz i mean i didn't hear much about him but i was like he transferred from duke not too many guys you know I don't know. I guess guys do transfer from Duke, but you always gotta be leery, you know. Right, right, because exactly. It's that type of school. Oh, you must have a problem if you transfer from Duke, you know. Yeah, totally. With their, with their, um, you know, peerless reputation. Um. Well, let me see. I'm I'm looking up some info on him to, to get kind of a uh, a grasp of what his deal is. All
0: right. While you do that, um, you know. Cooney and Innes had had solid games. I think this is what you're going to get with those two, in terms of their offensive production. I'll um, be happy. You know, you're going to have you're going to have ups and downs. You're going to have, you know, you're going to be fifty fifty in terms of, you know, their ability to to, to get hot and yeah. and put some points I mean, on the had, board.
1: Cooney had 21 points in the game. I mean, he was five or nine from three point. You know, you can't you can't complain about that performance at all. And 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 each of them had four steals a piece too.
0: That's what you're going to get out of out of a guy like Cooney, and you're going to be happy with that. You know, you're you're going to have your 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 five from nine nights, and you're going to have your one from twelve. You know, one for twelve nights. Um, He's a shooter,
1: and and I
0: know you know he's he's trying to make improvements. you know, on his movements without the ball and creating his own shots yeah. and, um, you know, on the defensive end. But, I mean, he's a spot-up jump shooter.
1: Well, yeah, that's when he's at his best, when when um, he can get his feet square, you know, pops into a spot and, like, uh, gets fed a pass right in that spot, you know, right in rhythm. Yep. That's yep. when he's deadly. You um, know, he's not great at, like, coming down, setting up his own shot on the three or whatever, you know. You need to set him up. Right. But he gets the feet square, you feed it to him, and he's like money. You know how many, how many times you see him run those plays the other night? You know, having him pop out on the wing from three. You know, the, guy, the guy's the guy got a sick stroke.
0: Yeah. And, and you know, like we said, that's, that's what you're going to get out of a shooter. Um, you're going to have cold nights, and, you know, you're going to have nights when he goes on runs. You just hope that he goes on runs when you need him.
1: Well, yeah. I mean, you remember James Sutherland. Yeah, after he had that Arkansas game last year, I thought, "Oh, this guy's going to be scoring thirty points every game." <laughs> but no, not at all. It was it was feast or famine. You know, that's the thing with a guy, with guys that shoot like that. You know, uh, Ennis
0: added seventeen on uh, on six for eight. But it, it, what amazes me is is this guy's ability to get to the hoop, both on the offensive end and the defensive end. Yeah. Um, you know, it's seven rebounds.
1: Yeah, I mean, he had, he had a pretty, he had a pretty damn good line. One thing that I think is interesting: both Cooney and Ennis both had four steals. Neither of them was called for a foul. You know, to be able to, you know, that's pretty damn good. Yeah, you know, they that means re- they're playing good, clean defense,
0: and they really work the top of that zone. Um, they're in the passing lanes.
1: Yeah, you know, they're but, not.
0: They're they're not. You know, they're not MCW, you know. They don't have no. a 6'8 wingspan, yeah. but um, they move. They have fast feet, and they anticipate. I think
1: of all the games they've played so far, I know that was only, the, what, the eighth game they've played the other night, right? Uh, yes. Uh, out of the eight games they played, that's as best as the defense has played so far. You know, that's what looked like the defense we were playing in the tournament last year. I don't know if it's Indiana, it just has no clue how to play it but like that was classic Syracuse, you know, when they start rolling and build up one of those big leads in the second half, you know where they're making the turnovers happen every time that was that's classic Syracuse basketball man,
0: yeah, the Indiana had no answer for the zone, which is not surprising, considering that uh apparently they brought in Mark Klaus to coach the team. <laughs> <laughs> mark cloud I was, I was wondering what happened to Klaus but um apparently he is now the head coach of uh the University of Indiana Hoosiers
1: <laughs> hey man I was a coach of uh, Duke for like 47 years <laughs> am <laughs> I, I, uh... I make all these statements ever you know talk to a guy you know it's like if you add up all the years that he did certain things he'd have to be 183 years old <laughs> 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 um, hey, mm-hmm. Am I making
0: a stretch there in, uh, in Tom Crean looking like Mark Klaus? and
1: thinking that he and Tom Crean are, are doppelgangers? You're making a bit of a stretch, but I'll go with it just because it's funny to picture Mark Klaus coaching a college basketball team. I don't
0: know, man. They got the same hairline and the same kind of uh, curled he lips scowl. pounding
1: down his beers on the side on <laughs> the bench. <laughs> Hey, man, while you guys are playing, I drink 24 beers. <laughs> three, balls, three balls and free throws,
0: man. Three balls and free throws.
1: I remember one night he was bragging. Uh, you know, he he managed the bar, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, and generally, you know, most most occupations, the management's the last person that should be drinking. Right. But, but he was bragging at the end of the night because he drank a whole case of Coors Light. Uh, during your shift yes like, here's
0: here's the beauty of klaus and i like just a
1: six hour shift
0: um i just emailed you a picture and we'll, we'll you can get up on facebook um or, or or tweet it but i just emailed you a picture of uh of Crean, and you tell me he's not mark klaus in that picture
1: all right, I'm going to look at this right now.
0: Um, while you do that, you see, Klaus, um, when when I was a sophomore and a junior, um, he was only the day bartender. Oh, yeah. And, and he was still doing day bartending shifts when I started there. But, like, he had no presence with, you know, with runners or the night yeah. bartenders or bouncers. The only reason we knew him is because we'd go in on Thursday afternoons and, you know... And sit at the bar and, you know, and have a couple of drinks and talk to him before his shift got over. And, you know, uh, of course, you know, folks like Guy and, and you know, the kitchen staff and, and the wait staff, you know, they knew him. They worked with him. But, you know, the night staff, it didn't translate. He was out of there. He had his shift drink at 5 o'clock. And, you know, he went back to uh, where would he live?
1: Uh, Manlius? Chinango? Ch- Chinango? Shenango, I think it is, isn't it?
0: Oh, That sounds about right. Um,
1: oh man, you know it's where it's where El Frank Baum was from, man. Where they wrote Wizard of Oz. <laughs> and his wife was Sharon, who he called Sharon.
0: Sharon.
1: And he would talk about, oh yeah, I'm gonna go home and roll her over <laughs> his wife. That's he yes. would talk to
0: his, talk about his wife that
1: way. Yes, yeah. he's telling us how he's gonna go home and roll her
0: over. <laughs> well, he's from. Now he would claim to be from Asbury Park.
1: Yeah, yeah, I know. I've in heard.
0: fact, he's not. He his his Diesel mailing his mailing address or his 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 actual uh, hometown, he would claim to be Belmar, but it was actually Wall. So, it, that might not mean a lot to anybody, but Asbury Park in the in the 70s um you know was a was a live music mecca and yeah. obviously gave rise to Bruce Springsteen. Two yeah. towns south is Belmar which is um you know which is a, a party beach town. Asbury Park's not a real party beach town. It's more, you know, downtown music venues, etc. Belmar is is, you know, it is kind of where they they shoot MTV Spring Break type deals.
1: Yeah.
0: Um and it's a pretty happening town. And um, it's actually a borough or, or a suburb of uh, a bigger town called Wall, which is l- a lot less exotic. They don't have a beachfront. You know, it's just your, you know, your typical New Jersey what exit town. Um, yeah. And I think that's where he grew up, and that's where he went to high school. But he lays claim to Belmar, while also he said he went to Montclair State as well, I believe. Okay, which is a which is a, a state school. Um, you know, not so far from, from the area, probably an hour or so. Okay. And, um, my brothers love Klaus. They would come up enough, but you know, they didn't spend uh, a significant amount of time visiting Syracuse. Um, yeah. But the times they did and the times that we would go back up afterwards, because my brother Jeremy went to Seton Hall. So we would make an annual trip up to see the Seton Hall game even after I graduated. And, you know, for some reason, I mean, I know, I liked him, and he was a nice guy, and he was he was cool to go out for a couple of drinks with, but Klaus always seemed to be like our fifth wheel. <laughs> it was me, my brother Josh, my brother Jeremy, and Guy. Yeah. And then Klaus. When and did I? Though my brothers still, they love doing Klaus impressions, and oh, telling Klaus stories because their stories are impersonations of Klaus's stories, which, like you said, are the most um, far fetched. Far fetched doesn't <laughs> even doesn't even cover them. He bends the time space continuum yeah. in terms of his ability to weave a tale. But
1: I mean, what about the story where he was airlifted out of Puerto Rico? <laughs> You ever hear that
0: one? No, I didn't. I never heard that.
1: It was when he was down there surfing, man. Him and him and some other guys. Oh, we smoked so much pot, man. And there was a revolution. They airlifted us out.
0: <laughs> Wait a minute. When was there a revolution in Puerto Rico?
1: I don't fucking know. <laughs> uh, <laughs>
0: uh, he would uh, BP. He's w-
1: really a Highlander. He has been alive for a thousand years.
0: <laughs> one of BP's favorite. Um, stories of, of Klaus was um, hanging out he claimed to have hung out with Bruce Springsteen back before Bruce um, you know had made it big yeah. and he had signed a record deal but hadn't released Greetings from Asbury Park yet um, and they'd ha- he bought a house or uh, like a loft or something and they were all hanging out there but all he had was pinballs and uh, pool
1: tables and pinball man <laughs> Oh God, he's close, close. Um, yeah, my first run-ins with close weren't positive. He couldn't stand <laughs> me because one night I came in there when I was new on working. He was working nights. I was with some guy who I was friends with from freshman year. Who was kind of a jerk off. And that guy ended up getting cut off. So close, like let it reflect on me, you know, because I knew that guy. You know, and he right. was always terrible to me. And then he ended up, then Klaus and I ended up actually liking each other. <laughs> but I remember, uh, I think it was Patrick Higgins who coined him "Sour Klaus the Bar Nazi.
0: <laughs> Which is so funny because he was never like that when he was just working the day shift. Uh, and it wasn't, I think, until he started working nights and, you know, he got a managerial role and... You know, yeah. he got to start to flex his muscles, and that you know he started to become a little sour because all of my memories and all of my experiences with him are always they're they're all positive and they're all funny. To some extent, they're at his expense. To some yeah. you know degree, they're they're at somebody else's expense. But you know, they're always they're always caricature in their nature.
1: Well, yeah, the funny thing is he. Um like he he ended up genuinely liking me, you know he got past all that b s you know, and we actually- but he was still a ball breaker, you know, like he'd make fun of you, like like if you were in there drunk, he's like, oh, you were a puddle last night, man, you know he would break your balls forever about stuff like that, you know, <laughs> and then when I went up there for homecoming with Cuddy in two thousand three Klaus was working there, and um. And he was treating, and uh, something happened, like a drink spilled on me because one of those brass tops was messed up or whatever. Right. And I was like, oh, my God, Klaus is going to come over here and break my balls. And then he came over, he's like, you all right, you all right? He's like, somebody clean this up. And he was treating me like a king. And I was like, <laughs> I was so prepared to, to have my balls broken. I was, like, I was like, oh, I guess that's what it is. You got to come back here after you've graduate and he treats you like a like a normal grown human being at that point. Well
0: the senior year, um there was still a DJ booth up above the kitchen. So
1: what, you'd have to climb the ladder up to ex- so, ex- exactly. Have they gotten rid of it?
0: Yeah, it's not there anymore.
1: Oh, that's terrible.
0: Yeah, they just um
1: I guess it was kinda of dangerous getting all drunk <laughs> and climbing up there.
0: It was super dangerous and they put in like um You know, like one of those pre-programmed computer sound systems.
1: Uh, So we have canned music. Yeah, yeah.
0: Um, So there's no DJs anymore. They just oh, that's lame. Maybe somebody comes in and you know and navigates it, but usually the bartender will just go over, click up a playlist, and then you know, and Uh, then have at it. That sounds terrible to me. And it would have made the following story almost nearly impossible. Yeah. Because um, senior year, when I was doing top ten lists, I would I would um periodically throw in a a standard line of me you know being naked in the dj booth from the waist down or um you know not having any pants on and for some reason that always got a chuckle so i always went back to the well and it it, you know it it became a calling card so um one of the last top ten lists i had done um i had prompted the crowd to um to let me know if they wanted to see me actually do one naked. And I don't know how much cheer I needed, but I got the requisite amount of feedback. (laughs) Either that or I had enough vodka grapefruits in me to to disrobe. So Brian Peters happened to be up there with me, and um, I had him hold a record. They still had records at the time that we would play up there. So he held the record up in front of my junk, And I stripped down and did a top 10 list naked. And it was kind of funny. And I'm sure there's kind of, there was a picture or two, you know, floating around at the time. It might've been like a senior Sunday, senior send off, something along those lines. Yeah. So the next year I went back up. And at that time, um, I went up for graduation. Little Teresa, um, was graduating and, and, you know, I went up to, to kind of celebrate with her. Um, and for some reason, I was prompted, once again, to do a uh, a top ten list at their graduation. And I don't know how much...
1: Yeah, I remember that.
0: You know, what the requisite amount of prodding needed for me to get naked. But I, once again, got naked to do the top ten list. Except this time, I did it um, standing on the blue top next to, uh, next to the service area. Yeah. But I didn't have anything to cover myself with, so I grabbed the bell
1: yeah, from, be- I
0: that. from behind the bar and, and did a pretty good job of, of um, you know, shielding my goodies uh, from the rest of the bar. However, if you were standing behind me, you could see me relatively exposed, and Klaus mm-hmm. happened to be standing in that, you know, that spot by yeah. the kitchen door where a manager would normally stand. yeah. So, you know, I grab the bell, I get the microphone, I do the top ten list, I sneak out into the kitchen, I put my clothes back on, all of which seemed like a great idea at the time. I don't know why, I I don't even like to see myself naked in the shower these days, let alone get naked in public. But at the time, I thought it was a, it was a rite of passage. So, um, the night goes on, we come back, you know, the next day for happy hour, for lunch, and he's working and he just smiles and he he shakes his head and goes baby carrots and walnuts man <laughs> baby carrots and walnuts
1: I remember I remember after that that night you know because I worked that night he he's like a, he's a big guy tiny little peeping. <laughs> <laughs>
0: oh. <laughs> uh, the sad thing was that wasn't me on the way down that was me on the way up
1: yeah <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, okay. Klaus.
0: Klaus Klaus good times. Um, um
1: well any of those times you hung out with your brothers up there? Did you hang out with Mark Selden by any chance? Alright, this is
0: unbelievable, man. So I know Selden and, and Selden Why don't was- we
1: set up who who, who Seldon is. Alright. For the viewing audience out there or the listening audience let, let, let's take it back from from
0: a uh you know kind of a, a prequel um approach 1996 I'm a DJ at Fagan's um you know I started doing it my junior year just because you know I the Dulleses had heard me do it one time and got a chuckle out of it and thought it would be good for business and Ben Cook was a big proponent of promotional uh, stunts in yeah, quotation marks, good. and you know he had me come in on Sundays. And Senior Sunday was was a uh, you know a pet project of his, and eventually it started to garner uh, a following. Uh, following's not the right word. It, you know a couple people would come out, but it got some notice to the point where when I would first do it. Nobody would even stop their conversations to, you know, the last few that I did were, you know, just kind of silent bars full of people listening to these top 10 lists. And, um, you know, by the end of senior year, I would, you know, kind of run into people periodically and they would literally be like, hey, you're a top 10 guy.
1: Yeah,
0: no, I, I come out to see you all the time, Hey, That's cool, man. You know, I'd be in a class with somebody,
1: yeah,
0: and um, you know, it was it was a it was a a, a nice perk to say the least. I certainly enjoyed yeah. it. Um, it's nice being recognized around campus. A hundred percent. One day, I'm walking uh, from the library to, um, I think, home. It was like a Tuesday night. This is exactly what it was. It was a t- Tuesday night. It, it was the one night nobody went out. There, there yeah. was nothing going on. There were no specials. You'd have to go to Harry's if you were going anywhere. And um, leaving the library, and a uh, the the car du jour at the time was uh, Grand Cherokee. Yeah. So all the kids, yep, who had cars that were worth owning, owned. Uh, a, a jeep grand cherokee
1: yeah it was the cool kid car
0: a Greek, jeep it's snowing out there's ice it's typical syracuse weather and this jeep pulls up beside me and kind of creeps along with me and, and if i wasn't a student at syracuse on campus you know on university ave i would have probably been a little creeped out but it, it's syracuse you're on yeah. campus you know what's going to happen and it, The window rolls down and he goes, yo, yo, bro. Mm -hmm. What's up, top 10 guy? Come on in, man. I'll give you a ride. (laughs) And I had known him nominally from just, you know, kind of being around and, you know, uh, dating the Jody Skolnicks and being friends with the Liz Stillman and and, um, having my in in the Jewish fraternity and sorority circles. Yeah. Um, you know, Mark Selden was, you know, was somewhat known amongst a certain, you know, clique of people. Yeah. And I um, had maybe seen him once or twice, you know, been at a party that, you know, he knew somebody and whatnot. But for the most part, I knew him as, oh, man, there's Selden. What a douchebag. <laughs> and that's really all I knew him of. But he decided so he was to pull a over.
1: there when he was a senior when you were a senior? He was a
0: senior when I was a senior. Yep. Okay. And, you know, he pulls over. I had not met him at this time, but he recognized me as the top ten guy. Invites me in his car and says, come on, man, we're going out for drinks. And I'm like, oh, I can't. No, man, it's Tuesday. I got to go home. You know, I got this project due, whatever. Top ten guy he's like, nah, we're going out, man. We're going out. And somehow I convinced him to drive me home instead of just going out for a drink with him. I don't, I, you know, there's some type of moral victory of being a, a college student and not going out. You know, I guess you have to draw the line somewhere and yeah. not going out on a Tuesday was where, where I drew the line. So he drops me off, but he made me promise him that we would have drinks someday like a like a budding bromance. Yeah. So I said, Sure man, you know no no problem. You know, why don't you stop in the bar one time? You know, I work on Wednesdays and Sundays or whatever, you know, I'll buy you a shot. So the next night was Wednesday, and I'm working, and I see him walk in and he waves at me and he you know, calls me down and it was you know, it was commonplace to take a, you know, to, to take a break during the night. You throw on a seven minute jessica or you know some other almond brothers um staple and you come down you grab a drink you glad hand a little bit because you're stuck in a booth yeah you're not getting laid by sitting in a booth you gotta come down you know you have to press flesh and, and make yourself available so um i would come down and i would you know say hello and see what's up well in this particular instance i come down Selden standing um, over by the blue top, by the, by the mirror, over by the kitchen, and he's with John Wallace of <laughs> Final Four fame. Yes, yeah. J Dubs. And uh, so they're standing there, and they're sipping on No Lie Cavassier. And he's like, "Yo, man, yo, yo, what's up, my man?" <laughs> he's like, "I want you to meet my boy, J Dubs. J Dubs. Is Sanders, the top ten guy? You know who he is." And John Wallace couldn't have been less impressed. And, you know, he's standing there, all six, seven of him, with his uh, fucked t-shirt on. Yeah. And he's just kind of like, w- why are we here and what am I doing? Um, but apparently he was tight with Selden, and they were, you know, kind of hanging out. And I don't know if they were, you know, if they went way back or, you know, if Selden worked his magic at Bird Library one night and offered John Wallace a, a date he couldn't turn down.
1: Yeah, I don't um, know, but it seemed like those basketball players were always real friendly with these, with those Jewish fraternity guys. Yeah, so <laughs> Selden was, was like the, the
0: poster child of that.
1: Yeah.
0: And, um, you know, so the next couple months, you know, we would have occasion to be in each other's presence. And he was always, you know, he was always, you know, friendly, but in a toolish kind of way.
1: Yeah. Um,
0: so I would see him occasionally and say what's up and, you know you know we'd do a shot or 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 have a drink but you know after i graduated i thought nothing of mark selden his name did not come across my lips until yeah. last night when i was watching the game on uh, on watch espn app so you know i kind of have the ability to to scroll back and i was watching it live but um you know, you can pause live action and, and kind of rewind. And they flash to a graphic of Mark Teixeira at the game. Yeah. Now, I live in, in, in New Jersey. I live in the New York metropolitan area. So I think nothing of... Um, hold on a second. I just want to make sure this is recording. Okay, all right. I guess we're... Ah, the, two we,
1: hours, we've got to be recorded.
0: Yeah, we've got it. It's, um, <laughs> b- but because we're so high now in terms of, of the file size, it moves much slower. So, okay, oh, okay. either way, um, we're cool. Um, so they flashed to Mark Teixeira, and um, living in the New York metropolitan area, I, I think nothing of seeing Mark Teixeira at a sporting event, but it doesn't dawn on me that that I'm watching a Syracuse University home game. So I pay a little closer. I pay closer attention to the screen, um, and I'm, I start to process what is you know Teshara doing there. I'm trying to think of what his connection to Syracuse would be, and, and I'm going. I'm doing the mental gymnastics on why this is even happening, and I look to the left of the screen, and no lie, I see what I think. Is nice guy Eddie from Reservoir Dogs?
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: And I'm like, who is this guy? And he's got his hair slicked back, and he I, he's got to weigh no less than 300 pounds.
1: Yeah, right. And I mean, it did look like it did look like uh, nice guy Eddie, aka Christopher Penn, it, circa his um circa uh, Miami Vice days. And the guy, you know, is not
0: only a big guy, but he's got no less than four buttons unbuttoned on his white button down. And he had the awesome star of David. A humongous star of David with an orange silk scarf around his neck. Now, this is clearly a guy who wants to be noticed. But I don't make any other connection besides the fact that this is some guy sitting next to Mark Teixeira. I I take a screenshot of the of the still uh, on my iPad and I you know I put it away I stick it for the next morning and I wake up and I'm like oh my god wait a minute I have to post that picture I got to find out who this guy is so I text you and um, and say you know hey listen I made an update to the Facebook page etc cetera, etc cetera. and you get back to me with what.
1: Well, I was like, this picture's been all over the Syracuse-centric Twitter sphere and social media circles. Like, uh, people question. We got to know who this guy is. So then, first, first, I
0: think I'm breaking the story because yeah. you know. And then
1: I go on Facebook and this kid Scott Isaacs, who was um, he had posted something about it, and he was a guy. He was kind of a, um, he was a DJ at Fagans. There later on. He's uh, I think he's like a producer in Boston now for one of the stations up there. But he's a he had posted something about it, and they had a big comment stream gone. and uh and they had a link that Scott had posted within the comments that it's this guy, and it was a a link to his company's page, the about the people there.
0: Yeah, so the, the bio page.
1: Yeah, so i respond to him like, is this really the guy? He's like, yeah, and that's what I, and that was what I sent you as the bio page. You're like, oh my God, that's Mark Selden.
0: And at first, I didn't put two and two together. I thought that this guy sitting next to Mark Teixeira was working for Selden's company. Because I click on the bio, and it looks like the Selden that I knew.
1: Yeah, it's a skinny guy in that bio.
0: But the picture must be 10 years old.
1: Oh yeah, it's gotta be
0: because there's right. n- there's Either no one. Just
1: let himself go
0: now. Now, I did some research and I did some Google imaging, um, and I did find some pictures of him from the summer of 2010. Oh
1: yeah, these uh, pictures where he's like in the Hamptons or something.
0: Exactly.
1: <laughs> yeah, I've
0: seen those. <laughs> Who's bigger creepers than you and me?
1: Why do not Google this guy's name? <laughs> Bigger Creepers, it's like one of the first three pictures that shows up is him in all white. <laughs> yeah,
0: and that's exactly the kind of guy he is. You know, he's a Hamptons yeah. white party kind of guy. Yeah. So um, we end up, um, you know, you and I come to the conclusion that it's Selden or, or that the, the 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 word on the street that it's Selden. So I text somebody at Fagan's um, who, you know, would know that both Mark Teixeira was in town and whether or not this guy nice guy Eddie is in fact Mark Selden, and I get back a text and here's what uh, here's what the text says um, I said hey did Tex come in the bar last night and was that guy with him uh, Mark Seldon, He says, "Indeed, it was." He throws around cash like he prints it. He's a good guy. He's over the top every time, though. And then we, you know, we kind of get back and forth. And uh, he's like, "Where does his money come from?" Apparently, he chartered a plane for the game and flew in Mark Teixeira and fourteen people. Damn. So uh, his business is is you know is on the fringe of that. Um, you know, that Paris Hilton
1: socialite business. What is it? What was the business? Some type of security company, yeah, right? Right. He's a high end
0: security agency that does like red Do they
1: hire out bodyguards or
0: something? Mostly red carpet bouncing, okay. velvet rope type of stuff. But, you know, I'm sure he does personal. You know, celebrity security. And I'm sure that he's pitching, you know, Mark Teixeira on, you know, personal security. And he flies up, you know, 14 people in a private jet to Syracuse International Airport and, you know, makes a spectacle of himself on national television, very similar to the way he would make a spectacle of himself on the campus. Um, but all in all, you know, it, but for the slick back hair and the shirt unbuttoned to his navel and, and you know, the obvious douchebaggery that goes along with all of those elements. He was a fairly harmless guy at the time. And, you know, from talking about folks who, you know, talking to folks who see him often enough, and I guess he pulls his stunt, you know, semi-regularly. And he's still just kind of a harmless guy with a huge bankroll and doesn't know what to do with it. So yeah, I'm um, sure he's
1: just a fun dude to be around with. Uh,
0: listen, if I could fly, if I could be one of the fourteen folks who he flies in a private jet willy-nilly to see a Syracuse game in the in the you know in yeah. the early part of December, I would open my shirt down to my navel and wear a star of David. That's for sure.
1: Oh man! Now he's like he's gone in the circus lore, man. <laughs> that guy might need to show up like that to every game from now on for just for <laughs> luck.
0: Uh, so that is the legacy of one Mr. Mark Selden.
1: That's awesome, Mark Selden, the legend of Mark Seldon. and and he definitely, you know. I feel kind of bad for the girl that got stripped down in her underwear because apparently Mark Seldon trumped her.
0: Yeah. So, so you send me a link, and I don't think that, that we could have anything more to talk about for this episode. And I don't think it could be a better week in Syracuse sports than what we've just experienced coming off of Thanksgiving weekend. And we've got, you know, just feel good mojo all around. And you send me this dead spin story. That yeah, I just still can't get my head
1: around. Well, yeah, and then there's a follow-up on from uh Brent Axe on the uh, who's the Syracuse reporter for uh for the uh, Post Standard or whatever that I just read tonight about the um the the witness to the headline is witness to Carrier Dome's Indiana underwear girl. It was really awkward. <laughs> Break and this story's kind of funny because he talks about, he's in the the guy who they talked to is in this picture. He says he didn't realize she had stripped down, but she was with a guy who appeared to be her father, who was really into the game, and he didn't notice it the whole game, the whole time that she had stripped down until at the end of the game. uh All right, this is the quote from the guy who witnessed this. He said he was staring at the game, and as soon as the final buzzer went off, he turned to his left and yells at the top of his lungs, Sarah, what are you doing? <laughs> so this guy was sitting next to his daughter, who had stripped her underwear and panties, and didn't even realize it because he was that into the game. How long did she? How long was she in her underwear?
0: Does I mean, the story I say?
1: In some part in the second half, that she did. It. Um, Maine said he didn't notice anything off about the woman during the game, including if she was drinking alcohol or otherwise intoxicated. All was pretty normal until that happened. Main said, <laughs> had some sort of jacket or a fleece on, maybe over an Indiana t-shirt." I didn't really hear her say anything during the game. She was sitting there, broad in her, bra and her underwear, and she was bent over with her arms crossed and kind of rocking back and forth. Main said, "I thought she was just a really big Indiana fan. This was her version of a rally cap, maybe. From what I would gather, she seemed like a pretty normal person." That is
0: unbelievable, man. I'm looking at the picture. Um, you just Google uh, Indiana Underwear Girl um, and you can get to any number of sources, including the Syracuse.com uh, yeah. story and uh, Wolfman2476ordies.
1: Yeah, that's who sent out that tweet. Twitter yeah.
0: page. William
1: Wolf <laughs> Um,
0: Let's see. Did you retweet this? Did I retweet it? No. All right. So uh, So you it, should
1: retweet
0: it. Yeah. So the Too Sorry Excuses Twitter uh, page now has... lot of
1: my problems with retweet or tweeting stuff from Two Too Sorry Excuses, my phone is set up with my Twitter handle.
0: Ah, uh, see. You know, it's a pain. That is uh, the benefit of not having my own personal Twitter account. I yeah. can do the heavy lifting. So there we go. So go to um, at Too Sorry Excuses uh, on Twitter and you'll see... Uh, the retweet of the of the girl, uh, the Indiana underwear girl, and it's just it's bizarre. I I don't know. Uh, I I just I can't fathom. Okay, coming off of two stories where I appear naked in a public drinking establishment with uh, various assortments covering up my junk. Maybe I'm yeah. not the one to be passing judgment on this girl, but. I don't I can't think of a situation where I would get down to my brawn panties. No, not at all. In I mean, essentially the upper deck of the dome. Surrounded by a bunch of dudes.
1: Yeah, it's very odd. Very odd. I, with her father. Right. With the guy that they believe to be her father. Right. <laughs> Who now, what's doesn't he, notice that his daughter is in the, uh, is uh, in brown panties next to him the whole game because he's that engrossed in the action.
0: What's the,
1: what's he say once he notices her? He said, uh, according to the kid that witnessed it, he said, Sarah, what are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> I was wondering if we'd ever find out who this girl is. At least we know her name is Sarah.
0: All right, we'll have to uh, we'll have to do a little work. We'll do a little internet creeping, man.
1: Yeah. <laughs> a
0: little internet creeping. Uh, on that note, what else we got?
1: I don't think we have much else. Uh, I guess the women's team finally lost the game tonight. A tight one in Iowa. They were ranked number 22. They lost by about, they lost 97-91 to the 25th ranked Hawkeyes. Ooh. Yeah, yeah. But they seem to be all right. Um, Hmm. I don't know. We covered, you know, it's obviously not of note that Mark Toshara was at the game anymore, other than the fact he was brought by Syracuse legend Mark Selden.
0: Yeah, he totally gets trumped by Sarah. Uh, Yeah. Jameis Winston. um, Jameis
1: Winston will not be prosecuted.
0: He is in the clear.
1: Yep, he's in the clear. Uh, bunch of big football games this weekend. We'll know by probably Saturday night, or at least Sunday, we'll know whether Syracuse is going bowling or not. You know, we could really use it because Terrell Hunt can use all the practice he can get. Um,
0: It'd be nice to have something to root for.
1: Yeah, uh, we played Binghamton Saturday. Uh, That shouldn't be much of a game, and then... uh, Next Sunday, the 15th, we play St. John's, which is one of the old Big East rivals that we are carrying over as an out-of-conference rivalry now for at least a couple of years. I believe the game is at the Garden, correct?
0: It is at the Garden. That's always a good time. Um, A huge, huge home court advantage for an away game. Um, Just as many uh, orange men and women are there as red men and women, or red storm I guess, um, yeah. so it, it's it's not like playing a true road game. We, we definitely at least neutralize uh, the home court advantage, if not turn it to our favor. So um, it's always a good game. It's always fun. I don't think I'm gonna be able to make it. I have a um, an invite on the table um, with uh, Liz Stillman, but yeah. uh, I got a prior commitment that I don't think I'm gonna be able to mm-hmm. shake. But
1: We'll see what she happens. Might, she might, she might um, forsake her loyalty to two sorry excuses, standing her up like that.
0: That's it. That's it. I'll cancel my plans.
1: <laughs>
0: I'm done. All right. Very good. We need
1: good. the dues. We need the dues. <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right. On that note, man. With All apologies right. to Girk's
1: brother, we'll see you guys next week. All right. Adios.